it's your home, and I need to ask you a few favors. In the kitchen, there's a spider stuck between the window and the screen, and I know it's dead, and technically it's outside, but it's still freaking me out. Can you flick it out or something? Also, just to save some money and it's super easy, could you bundle your home and car insurance with Geico? Last thing, could you take the holiday decorations down? Yeah, I'm one of those. Geico. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. Welcome to El Tell and John's La Liga Weekly, this week entitled Cheer Up Neymar. I'm sure he will shake off PSG's <laughs> latest disappointment and join us in saying congratulations to FC Barcelona, champions of Spain for the eighth time in 11 seasons. Congratulations to Lionel Messi winning his 10th La Liga and congratulations to Arturo Vidal on his eighth successive league title in three countries. What are you doing? What are you doing? Listen, I don't mind you putting stuff in, but not that. Thank you. No, no, not that either. Listen, could someone write a song about winning something that doesn't make me feel sick? And if you play that Tina Turner song, I'm leaving and Terry can do the rest on his own. <laughs> right, I've been quite finished. Can we have the proper music back on? Thank you. Now, everybody, would you like a deep truth? Here it is. Nobody, nobody genuinely believes that fourth place in a league should get you into the Champions League. Obviously, if you're a fan of one of the clubs who benefit, then you go along with it. But no one really believes in it in their heart, just like a European Super League, in fact. So what's happening now in Spain and in England is that the clubs are subconsciously throwing it because of an unspoken moral code. They're like someone who's found some money in the streets and they're showing it off to everybody in the hope that it gets stolen. Now, imagine being in that street and there's an out-of-control juggernaut. Well, that is Real Madrid. It keeps on moving, but nobody knows what it's going to do or where it's going to go. Now then, in midweek, I read out a tweet in praise of Terry Gibson's commentary. In the interest of balance, I'm obliged to point out that Darren, joined Twitter April 2019, thinks it's annoying when Terry says they should have scored this or they should have saved that, when he couldn't do any better. Now, it's a fair point. Darren is a fan of Lionel Messi, as we are all fans of Lionel Messi, Darren. Although his intervention does beg the question that if we can only comment about players that we're equally as good as or better than at football, then... Who would I to talk about? In my case, it would only be Xabi Irueta of San Sebastian de los Reyes <laughs> and the guy who pretended to be George Weir's cousin. Now, Terry would have a few more, but he is 56 and he's had a heart bypass. But I still think he'd do a better job in central defence than Ayman Abdenor did when he was at Valencia. Congratulations, Terry. So you, 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 you get, people are interacting with you. They're, they're bringing you the benefits of their wisdom. Well, uh, the, the, the funny thing is that he was remarking about the Barcelona game, which I wasn't even doing. He was criticising me for criticising Barcelona players. It was Jerry Armstrong, not me. <laughs> oh, right. oh, is that what he was listening to? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, hence the reason I don't often answer back people that are critical of me, but I was, I was having a bit of fun. Knowing full well yes. what the outcome was going to be, that no, yes. that wasn't me. I did Atletico Madrid via did it, and there was a, there was barely a single chance in the game, so I didn't have the chance to say he should have scored that because it was nothing happened. 
but you have been busy commentating tonight. You've been uh, actually, you know, you know. No, let's not do tonight's game. Let's do the champions, shall we? Barcelona, yeah. and uh, they are well deserved champions. Uh, of, of course, so fitting. Of course, that Lionel Messi should come off the bench and and score the goal that wrapped it up. Uh, they've won a lot of leagues in recent years. Valverde got a lot of sticky. You know, it's taken a long, long time to start winning people over. But they couldn't have done much more, could they, Barcelona, in the last couple of years under Valverde? Exactly. Three defeats in two league campaigns. There may well be further defeats this season because the title's won now and there's there's literally other fish to fry. So, But it, when they've been competitive to lose one game last season, two so far this season, their last defeat was week 12. And yeah. at that stage of the season, the title was up for grabs. I mean, probably... I'm. Overrigging it slightly because by that stage, Barcelona had already beaten Real Madrid 5-1. Pep probably put Real Madrid out of the place. It put Lopetegui out of a job. But then a couple of weeks after that, they lost to Betis. They had a, a dubious little period around, well, it was five, six, week five, six, seven and eight. They picked up three points from four games. So it was genuinely up for grabs this season. And Atletico got off to a slow start. Talk about Real Madrid going to greater detail that they've never really been in the race for the second consecutive season. But from week 12 for Barcelona not to lose a game, they haven't been great in every single match. But they, when they've played poorly or been below par, they've still managed to get wins. They haven't been beaten. And it's testimony to Valverde, who I think finally is actually getting the credit that he, he, he of course, rightly deserves. They, they've called him a manager of discretion in the press in Spain, where he doesn't seek the limelight. He very rarely says anything untoward, anything to antagonise opponents, managers, players. He's he's a straight batter when it comes to you know dealing with the press, but he has earned the respect. And we underestimate how difficult that is to manage a team, a squad that's loaded with full internationals, loaded with big stars that have won World Cups and Champions Leagues and number of titles to come in as manager, the former manager of Atletico Bilbao and Espanyol and Olympiacos and to be able to deal with it in the manner that he has, it, it's fantastic. And now the, the big prize, of course, is going to be the Champions League, um, how they can do against Liverpool, can they make the final, can he be compared to Pep and, and Luis Enrique in terms of pulling off a treble because we know they're in the final of the the Copa del Rey against Valencia at the at the end of the season as well. So, he, he, you know, people will still hark back to the Roma defeat until he wins the Champions League. But I, I totally agree with you. And I think there's now, a, a, he's a more popular manager than he has been ever since he's been at Barcelona because they've, you know, people have to give him credit and respect. Uh, Roti says, hello, La Liga Weekly. Hello, Roti. Uh, is the Barcelona exactly. manager underrated in Spain? And even across Europe, I think I think we'll agree on that one, won't we? And uh, Zalito, does the Barca game sum up a big part of their season where they don't necessarily control games and play well, but they get results anyway? Yeah, what surprised me, I don't know about other people, was the almost a hint of desperation from a team to, to wrap it up as quickly as they could. I was surprised by the strength of the lineup. Bearing in mind, they're going to win the, the league. That's, there's no question about that, just when they did it. 
but they clearly wanted to get it done dusted last night at the first attempt. So Messi was the only name that was on the bench that surprised Busquets maybe as well. And then you, you're looking at the team. When you saw the last few minutes, Messi was the last player to touch the ball. I think he went and closed down someone out wide to stop it being delivered into the penalty box when the Vanti were putting on pressure. And you saw the relief on Valverde's face when the whistle blew. You know, the whole stadium was, was absolutely delighted. But it just goes to show, with all the experience that those players have got, the, how desperate they were to, to wrap it up as quickly as possible, how pleased they were to win another league title. And, and you consider that's 18-11. I mean, you go through the numbers of the players, of the individuals, Messi 10, Busquets 8, PK 8. Even Sergio Roberto's got six now. Luis Suarez is racking up. I think it's four for him. Uh, Coutinho's his second one. And and yet they still have that. That It, it can't be easy. I, I, I don't have a comparison. I won one trophy in my, my career. But to then go back as consistently as they do for a few weeks off in the summer and then to start from scratch and start again and to win eight, um, I think it's six Copa del Rey during that time as well. They're in a final, so it could be in the last 11 seasons, they've won 15 of the, the 22 domestic trophies up for grabs. And that, that takes, obviously, ability, but it takes that mental strength to do what they've done this season. And we know full well, at the start of next season, they're going to be favourites again. And they're all going to come back, these world superstars, without resting on their laurels. And they know the motivation is to finish above Atletico Madrid, finish above Real Madrid. And they just continually keep doing it season after season. It's an incredible achievement. And that team has evolved so much. Different managers. I think it was it's four different managers that have won those the eight trophies, the eight titles. So you start with Pep, Tito Villanova, Luis Enrique, and now Ernesto Valverde. And then you look at the players that have come and gone as well during that time. So people talk back about Pep's team and, and that was the first, that was the first team. I think we go back a little bit further. There's another couple of titles there as well that, that people were involved in. But then when you move it on, you've we've lost the likes of Xavi Iniesta, Carlos Puyol, Abidal, Pedro, Villa, uh, Etu, Thierry Henry, Yaya Toure, these players that... And yet the team still somehow... I mean, we're down to the last three now, if I'm being perfectly honest. You've got Piquet, Busquets, Messi, the spine of the team, left from that team that set all this in motion. Um, but they have managed to somehow recover from uh, some of the best players that's ever played football um, and replace them somehow. And, and people keep continually saying, oh, but how are they going to be without him? There's no Iniesta this season, but they've run away with the league title again. So it's, it's what they're doing is in a league with, it's not just Real Madrid now, it's Atletico Madrid. Um, and they're continually finishing top of the pile. It's a fantastic achievement. Yeah, um, we've got loads of questions about what they're going to do in the future. I'm, I'm inclined to leave those for now, if I'm honest with you. Just, you know, in, enjoy this now, Barcelona yeah, fans. I agree, yeah. And we'll have a look. You know, th- we've got plenty of time to discuss about the, the transition. Uh, Cameron's got one question. Slightly worried about the transition transition into the Champions League in midweek. Do you think the post-game festivities will affect Barca's players ahead of the Liverpool match? They, they need to keep uh, Luis Suarez out of the, the tapas bar, obviously, between now and uh, the Liverpool game. <laughs> uh, hopefully Messi didn't hurt himself lifting that huge trophy. But, uh, yeah, so there we are. Huge game coming up. It's a it's very, very different situation from Liverpool who are obviously involved in this tremendous neck-and-neck battle with Manchester City, whereas Barca... 
have wrapped up their title. We, 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 we've known for a couple of weeks they were going to wrap up their title. Uh, and I, it's one of these ones. I guess after the after the semi-final, we'll be able to make some kind of verdict on on you know, who who was the beneficiary. Yeah, I think well, yeah, exactly. I think that what we've, we have seen in the past, it hasn't affected Barcelona in the past, is it? When they've gone on to to do trebles and stuff like that, that, that I would imagine those players celebrated to a degree last night. But we're talking about the elite athletes that know that's part of the job done. And then today, I would imagine, I imagine there's been a training session, um, some sort of recovery, because the players are all fully aware that at the start of the season, the focus was on the Champions League. Messi said that in his speech before the the opening pre-season friendly they have, where the, the play, new players are introduced. Messi surprised all the supporters, surprised all of the squad by saying that this season his main objective desire was to win the Champions League back. So, that, make no mistake, they will be preparing today for the game against Liverpool midweek in the Champions League. And who knows? I mean, it, I, I would imagine it will be a boost to them that one trophy, the league title, is, is done and dusted. And, you know, they can now focus on the next task. Um it's, it's it remains to be seen. The proof will be in, in what we what performance we see from them in the, in the game against Liverpool. Uh, so let's move on to the game that you've just commentated for the the uh, Spanish World feed. The uh, Raya Vallecano beating Real Madrid. So get that right. It's almost we've got too used to the fact that Real Madrid lose games against teams that you wouldn't expect them to beat. And Raya Vallecano are such a weird team, aren't they? Because sometimes they play. Uh, sometimes you watch them, you think, oh, they're really good. And other times they've thrown silly points away here and there. Bradley makes a very good point. As much as these Real Madrid games are meaningless, the lack of personal pride in the squad is worrying. Uh, they're full of winners, uh, but they're getting out fought all over the pitch. I, I think that includes the manager as well. Yeah, I really it, do. It, it hasn't been a success so far, has he? I, you know, I don't, obviously, let's not jump the gun, but you, I mean, I'm sort of thinking. Uh, and what, what's you know, Richard makes the point. What, what's Zidane learned that we didn't know beforehand? Yeah, I mean, he knows the majority of the players. So there's been a lot of talk about people being on trial. Gareth Bale isn't on trial. He knows exactly what he's, he's, he's capable of doing. He knows he probably knows exactly what he wants to do with Gareth Bale, keep him or sell him. Tony Kroos, Luka Modric, Casemiro, Marcelo, the list goes on. He knows there's not many players in that squad that he needs to learn much about. He might have to change an opinion on one or two that he didn't fancy before. Um, but even when I see Zidane's body language on the side of the pitch, it, it doesn't express this satisfaction to the players, which is what he should be doing. There was a couple of moments you saw him just clapping and urging the team on, but it, it was pretty, pretty lifeless in terms of trying to really crack the whip. And I, I just don't see the, the benefit of why they would want to embarrass themselves with... A performance like we saw tonight. I have sympathy for some of the players. Uh, Mariano Diaz, I didn't realise, had played two League Un games for Lyon, and that was his second start of the season tonight for Real Madrid this season. Mm. So it's for, to suddenly step up to the plate. Now I know he's, he's three managers down the line since he's been back. He's had injury issues, um, but that's only his second start. So to expect him to be match fit and sharp, especially for a striker, is, is really difficult. Uh, Marcus Llorente is another player that hasn't played for a while and he's thrust into the action in a in a, a, a team that's performing below par. They were below par against Hatafe midweek. There was eight changes tonight from the team against Hatafe. 
So it, it's, it sends out a signal to the players that let's just get, it's almost like Zidane saying, let's just get these bloody fixtures out of the way and then we can start in the summer. But the, the point has to be made that if they're not being put in their place now, why does Marcelo think it's going to be any different? And I'm just using him as an example, not because he was any worse or better than anybody else, but if he's not playing well now and Zidane doesn't do anything, do you think that's going to be any different when the season starts? No, it's it probably won't. And the same will go for Casemiro, Modric, Kroos, if they're still there. It, I'm, I'm looking at it and, and joking that maybe he'll just leave things as they are and trust the 14, 15 players that he trusted before. And in five years' time, we're going to be looking at the bench and going, 35-year-old Lucas Vasquez is coming on to freshen things <laughs> up. It, it just—it's going. I'm really interested to see what changes he's going to implement, what he, what he can achieve, because we know it's not easy to, to, to move players on. They've got big names coming back on loan as well, like some Hamis Rodriguez, Kovacic, what's going to happen with them. So it, but I, I don't get this attitude that they're showing at the moment where they're finding themselves embarrassed. I have sympathy for Modric as well. I think the, the age of 33, the season he had last year, then the World Cup, then going on to this and now being left in a position. I mean, he's partly to blame, don't get me wrong. A team that's that's got no motivation. I look at him and he, he needs like a really long holiday um, to try and get rejuvenated for next season. Um, but he's the only one. The rest of them, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find the reason why Tony Kroos is so below par. Gareth Bale tonight started in a front two, then went left and then ended up as the lone striker. It, it just looks a mess at the moment. And when you're playing for Real Madrid, people are saying that the, the, the people are saying that they're going to finish third. They know they're in the Champions League next season. They're not going to catch Atletico. They were never going to catch Barcelona. But, but surely playing for a club like Real Madrid, one of the biggest clubs in the world, if not the biggest football club in the world, every time you play for Real Madrid, you're obligated to not get beat by teams like Rio Vallecano or draw with someone like Hatafe. And Hatafe are flying high and doing well. But they shouldn't be able to compete favourably against a Real Madrid team that's playing for pride in the shirt and pride for the supporters and trying to impress a new manager. Nothing. It, 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 it doesn't look like that at all at the moment, the Real Madrid. It's a, it, it, thankfully for them, their season's coming to an end. But at the moment, it's... An, a, Sheer and utter mess. Uh, loads of people have got in touch about Ronaldo and basically tracing it all back and say it all went wrong when they sold Ronaldo. But that's not quite my view and that's not quite your view either, is it? it you know, obviously sticking Ronaldo in and scoring a, a hat full of goals, which he always does, would have helped this season uh, considerably. But they, it wasn't well planned. It wasn't well, you know, there, there was no plan or organisation at the club before Ronaldo's departure. Is that a fair way of putting it? I still can't believe they allowed him to leave. I really can't. Yeah. I, 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 it happens pretty quick, didn't it? There was obviously a, a fallout. And before you know it, you're thinking, do you know what? This deal might actually happen. At first, I thought, no chance. They can't let Ronaldo leave. Um, and they did. And they haven't invested the money wisely yet. We know what they've been doing in recent seasons in the transfer windows. No really big major signings since... James Rodriguez in 2014. And I could go through the list of new players that they've bought, young players they're invested money in, but there's been no superstars coming to the team. So it's it's been... We, we've joked, haven't we? Or I, ha, I have, if I'm being honest, about that they are a team in the last few years that have been built as 
a team that can do seven knockout games in the Champions League. They can't yes. do the 38. They can't compete with Barcelona and Atletico Madrid. I mean, they're, they're 18 points behind now. Yeah. So with, at the end of the season, when, when you add it up, Barcelona run away with it again. It'd be interesting to see how many points Barcelona actually needed, and it would be very low this season. They're not going to need to win it by nine points. They could have won it by... I'm looking at the, the total they've got now. It's it's below what we've seen in the past, but if needed to be at their best. As I say, that, that mentioned that, that sticky period they had early in the season. They've rebounded from that. Um, but the, the failure of Real Madrid, and to a degree, Atletico, means that Barcelona probably could have done could have won this title with maybe less than 80 points. Yeah, which is extraordinary, isn't it, when you think how many points it's going to take to win the Premier League. And the Premier League season this year re- reminds us very much of the one, I forget the year, but the one where Pellegrini was in in Spain and Barcelona pipped Real Madrid. And Real Madrid had, was it 98 points or something like that? It, off the it, top of it, my head? it was exactly the same. And it was, it, mm. I, I agree with you 100%. It's exactly, every game was critical for about 15 weeks in the league. Neither team could afford to drop a single point. So there was, they weren't drawing, they weren't getting beat, and it was exactly the, the Liverpool-Manchester City scenario where, I mean, if things stay as they are and they both keep winning in the Premier League, we're going to trace it back to, I think it was it, the last points drop was against Leicester by Liverpool. We're going to trace it all the way back to that, and that'll be the deciding game that, that ultimately might cost Liverpool the league title, and that was probably about eight weeks ago. And, and right. that is exactly what happened that season in, in La Liga. Let's have a little break then. We've, we've done uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid. We'll have a look at the, the, the non-race for the Champions League and the relegation battle where they are actually <laughs> battling. So we'll do all that next. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pros bring something extra to every job. Now at the Home Depot, they also get something extra. Pro Extra, our free loyalty program built for pros just like you. Members earn perks with every dollar spent, like Pro Extra Dollars, a tool rental credit, and more. New members get $20 off their next in-store purchase of 200 or more just for signing up. Learn more at homedepot.com slash proextra. New year, more rewards, Pro Extra, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Electrical pros, the Home Depot can help you put safety first with a four-pack of Kitta FireX Hardwire smoke detectors for just $39.97. Order these interconnected smoke alarms online and you put safety first. And that's followed by $10 savings on each pack, free delivery, and peace of mind knowing you got the right brand for fire safety. See? Put safety first and everything else follows when you order a four-pack of Kitta smoke detectors for just $39.97. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only. So La Liga looks like this. Barcelona, 83 points with three games to play. Atletico, 74. Real Madrid, 65. So huge gaps there. And then another 10 points back with three games to play. Etafe, 55. Sevilla, 55. 
Valencia 52, Athletic 50. And very much like the, the English Premier League at the moment, no one wants that Champions League place or so. <laughs> it would seem extraordinary uh, scoreline. So Real Sociedad beat Hetafe uh, two goals to one. But Hetafe, they got away with it. Uh, they've only won 14 games, so they've only scored 44 goals, but they still stay in fourth place above Sevilla. And uh, Sevilla uh, also uh, blew it this weekend. We'll get onto the, the details of the relegation battle, but Girona not winning at home for months and months and months, but they were good enough to beat Sevilla at home. So, of course, the door wide open for Valencia, but no, because Valencia beaten 1-0 at home by Abar. So, just... Uh, I, I, it depends how you sum it up, Terry. Isn't it? I, we're no further forward, really. Are we just, you know, it's just deferred the whole thing uh, for another week, and all three of those can still make it. And obviously, Valencia are the ones coming from furthest back, so it's probably the worst weekend for them. Yeah, and Athletic Bilbao must be kicking themselves as well because they've been ranked yeah, outsiders. They drew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they drew against Alaves one-one at home, and and that leaves them they're, they're two points behind Valencia as we speak now. So a win for Athletic would have taken them Liverpool with Valencia. So they would have been three points behind with the momentum behind them. Um, so they'll be kicking themselves. So we're literally looking at fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh. Real Madrid, second, third, uh, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth this week. None of them won a game. Yeah. Um, uh, Callum's question is, is who, who, who messed up by most? So who, who was the most disappointed of all those teams? I would say has to be Valencia. Yeah. Because yeah. of the fixture. Girona have been competitive, but they've been coming up short. They haven't won a league. Home league game, it was six months. Normally, yeah. by that time, you're relegated. You're cannon fodder. But they've managed somehow to pick up wins away from home. To get out of that slump of six consecutive defeats, to suddenly beat a severe team that but so flat, the performance. It didn't look like a team that genuinely you could recognise were chasing a Champions League spot. So that was a disappointing performance from Sevilla, but Valencia were at home against a team with nothing to play for. So I think that would be the biggest disappointment from their point of view. And then the, it looked odds on that it was going to be a draw. And then right at the end, Abar come up with the winner and just compound the misery for Valencia. So I think Valencia, with that, if you're looking at the fixtures... Girona could be tricky. It wouldn't be easy, but you'd expect Sevilla to win. You would certainly expect Valencia to beat Bar, who have didn't pick up any points in the last couple of games in the, the midweek round, the weekend before. They, lost to Huesca. they ended up getting beat by Huesca in, one of, uh, in the midweek game. Um, so I didn't see the performance coming from them. Um, Raul Sociedad away from home for Hatafi. If Raul Sociedad... Playing with near their potential, that's going to be a tricky game. So I would say Valencia definitely the the most winnable fixture out the the three the three teams, and 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 they blew it this week. A quick note on Abar from uh, JR. Remarkable season for Abar, all things considered. Well, well run club, down to earth, uh, finishing mid table. Are they a permanent fixture in La Liga, or is next year another big test? It, it's always another big test when you're a club of that size, isn't it? You, you're, exactly. You, you're a couple of bad decisions away from relegation always. Always and and but thankfully because I really like Abar and what they've done they're a good example to other new teams that are coming to the top division for the first time ever um, in Leganes Girona is is that little bit of progression each season you know you need to be run well at the top of the end of the club 
they've got the, the ideal manager that doesn't make any ridiculous demands. He knows exactly how the club works. They have a system of plays. They have to buy players that fit into that system. But each season they've they've progressed, and and I, I don't ever look at the start of the season now and consider Abar to be relegation candidates. Um, but they can't be complacent. They have to, you know, it, it, they're lying tenth in the table at the moment. That is a, a good target, good ambition. You've only got to look at VRL. That if you start making the wrong decisions, look at Celta Vigo. I mean, VRL finished fifth last season, and they'd been toiling all season to avoid going down. They look like they're going to be all right. But Celta Vigo made some choices to sell players, picked two managers that hadn't ever managed in the league before. One manager, the second one, uh, Miguel Cardoso, had been sacked, was manager in France this season. Antonio Mohamed had never managed in La Liga. It was very similar to the Gary Neville appointment of Valencia. I always find it strange when they appoint a manager who's not been in the league um, and comes in. First of all, he's got to get, know, get to know his own players and then get to know the opposition and you're playing different opposition each week and you're getting to learn. A lot of teams, like Celta Vigo in particular, are, as you said, a couple of bad decisions away from a relegation battle. And that's exactly what happened this year. As soon as they get a manager in, who knows the league, comes in, the minute he walks in the door, he knows three quarters of the Celta Vigo squad in terms of their attributes, what they're good at, what they're not good at. And he can plan for a game in two or three days. For the two previous managers, they needed weeks to get to know their best 11s, to get to know the squad. And and Celta Vigo can't afford to be making those mistakes. So Abar are a great example to likes of Leganes and Girona if they survive this season. Uh, Mike says, is this the best relegation fight in years? Just when a team looks destined to go down, they suddenly spring a surprise. He's got a good point. There's lots of people are saying that. James personally delighted how the relegation battle is unfolding. Uh, let's let's have the scores. And so Atletico beat Valladolid by one goal to nil. You wouldn't have thought that would be a disastrous result, but it does mean that Valladolid drip in, a drop in to the drop zone. Uh, Joaquin Fernandez with an own goal, unfortunately for him. Leganes nil, Celta Vigo nil. Uh, most notable for a goal line clearance from former Middlesbrough defender Kenneth, Kenneth Omaruo. Uh, obviously, uh, we mentioned Levante. Levante were good, though, weren't they, against Barca? They lost by uh, a goal to nil. Girona, as we say, beat severe by uh, one goal to nil. And then uh, Rayo won. Rayo's re- remaining three fixtures, Terry, are all six oh, no. against other relegation teams. They, it would be remarkable from where they were last week for them to survive, but you know, it's not impossible that they win those three games. And I was, survive. I was to exactly that question tonight. I, I, I said probably unlikely. Then they tell me the fixtures. Is it Vidalid, Girona, or Vidalid, Levante, and Celta? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think that. Yeah. yeah, and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, because they're playing opponent, direct opponents. There is a possibility. Who knows what a win against Real Madrid will do for their their confidence? Um, the, the teams you mentioned, Vidalid was some unlucky. If it wasn't for Jan Oblak, Vidalid would have won that game. Uh, yes, let's go oh, well yeah. below par. Yeah, oh, he's, he's, a, he's really a monster, Jan Black, isn't he? Every week, every week, he's pulling off brilliant saves now. And I thought, if I'm being honest, the goal should have been disallowed. I, I was amazed that there was no reference to VAR. I saw a clear push, and I'm all, I'm all for the strikers, but Griezmann pushed him as the cross was coming in, and he was off balance, and then tried to stretch and reach the header. But he was he was half going down after a shove from Griezmann. I, I couldn't believe that. When, if you compare that foul 
that wasn't given to the one that was given, which I think was a penalty on the foul from Jesus Vallejo on Guerrero, the shove from Griezmann was much more obvious. So I was amazed that no one appealed. Um, but you shouldn't have to appeal a VAR decision. That should be someone upstairs saying push, shove. If you look back and see it, you, you'll see a definite shove from a striker who's trying to find a bit of space and completely knocks off uh, Joaquin Fernandez off balance. So that was a fortunate goal, and Oblak was brilliant. The Vanti was so unlucky. How close was Ennis Bardi's attempt when it comes off the inside of the post? Morales should have scored when he was put through. Um, who else played well? And Girona pick up a, a win and, and thoroughly deserved to beat Sevilla. So the, the bottom team suddenly are kicking. The only one I, I was surprised at was Celta's approach to the game at Leganes, where for 70-odd minutes they played Aspas almost left-back. They were looking to play for a draw. And then in the last 10, 15 minutes, they pulled on the pressure and, and could should have won it. They had some good attacks, good moments. Um, but it was rather strange. But it looked to me as if Escobar was content to settle for a point, not knowing that Girona were going to win um, and, and put them firmly back in, in contention. I mean, you look at the table now. Celta's point yesterday took them to 37, which means they're level with Levante and Girona after their win. Valladolid have shown improvement. Ryan Vicano got a win. So the point, the approach from Escobar, will be interesting to see whether it was the right choice. Uh, let's talk about Villarreal as well against Wesker. We mentioned that one. Bradley says Calleja has to get moved on in the summer. Abelardo, Machin uh, would be logical fits. And Carl, do we need a separate goal of the season competition for Chimi Avila. So he yeah. did it again, another brilliant volley. Not quite as good as his one last week, but you know, for a guy who's, who's bottom of the league, it's it's quite remarkable. And there were two uh, fascinating goals in that one, because Fornells, it's a little bit lucky, Fornells. He rebonas from just a bit close range, mm. and he's and it scuffs it scuffs across his other foot, and then, and then <laughs> so it gets a bit of a gets a bit of a spinning swerve on into the corner, but he took it on, didn't he? You know, and the the quality in the relegation battle is is a real strong point. There are the, the the lack of a title race is a downside for La Liga, but the quality football at the bottom. Uh, it is a real strong point for La Liga in this this time round. Yeah, Deportivo went down last season with 29 points and they were 14 points away from safety. Yeah. So that shows you how bad it has been in the last couple of seasons. The season before was very similar. I mean, we're looking at Huesca with 30 points, played 35 games. We've got three games left and they're still not relegated. Yeah. So they would have been safe last year. They would have survived yeah. on the points yeah. they've got. So it is, it is great. I mean, the, the Chimia Avila goal was brilliant. I mean, it, it's nowhere near as good as the one he scored midweek um, against Abar. But this both feet off the ground. It was with the other foot as well. This was a left foot. So the first one in, against Abar was a, a right-footed attempt. Um, full nails. I, I must admit, there are one or two managers I played under that would have taken me off, even though I'd scored that goal. <laughs> um, because you're fighting relegation, you, you, you're kind of okay. I don't know why he just didn't wrap his left foot around it. Um, why he went for the Rabona in a big game for VRL still, um, and got lucky because it, it was an untidy Rabona and it deflected off. It was almost like a deflected goal, wasn't it? 
Um, yeah, but he, yeah, there was, that, yeah, or laughing and joking because all of the players knew he got it completely messed it up, and and somehow he he got the goal. So in general, if you're four nil up, that's fine. Um, but in a relegation battle, um, it's probably not advisable. But yeah, no, I'm not joking. When it was the managers I played, I never hauled me off, and and even if the goal had gone in. Um, so that was a big risk from four nails, but is a point probably enough for Virial takes them to forty points. They're not mathematically safe, of course, but they're 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 probably going to be okay now. But who knows? We, we were saying I thought Celta were going to be all right. Um, then suddenly you only get a win, Rio get a win, and it makes all the difference down there now. Yeah, everyone in that relegation battle has picked up points in the last couple of rounds at some point. So it's yeah, it's a really good battle. Uh, one more goal we really should mention. There weren't many goals. It's a very miserly week in La Liga. But we must mention Benyat. If you haven't seen oh, it, if I, I'll stick it on our strike. Facebook page. So if you haven't seen it, yeah, go and have a look on, on La Liga Weekly Facebook page. Uh, a player who... Ha- it hasn't quite lived up to his potential, truth be told, of Ben yet, but uh, that, was, that was magnificent, wasn't it? A 1-1 draw for Athletic. I think I heard somewhere it was his first goal in 18 months. Yeah. Now, yeah. I haven't confirmed I that. Right. I haven't yeah. looked at yeah. it. What, what the hell has he been doing for 18 months? That was We've seen some sensational free kicks this season um, from all different types of players. Obviously, Messi is there, and his body was knocking him in left, right and centre at the start of the season for Levante. And then we see Benyat pull that one off. I'm not sure we've seen one from that distance this season. It was miles out. And he's he's creamed it into the top corner. And you think, why haven't you been able to do that more often? Um, I don't think he's been playing as regular as he has done in the past. But he's always been a quality player. Um, and that was a brilliant strike. Followed up by a really untidy equaliser from Alaves where... It was chaos, wasn't it? And then Borja Baston slides it onto the equaliser. Yeah, that's how much chaos that is. Yeah. Straight after the Benyat got that worldy strike, two minutes later, the equaliser, scruffy affair, counts were exactly the same. And that game probably, both teams actually, the draw was probably the right result in that match. Uh, answer your question, Terry. His last league goal was December 2016. He did score in the Copa del Rey <laughs> earlier this season. So there's there's the stats. Uh, I think we'll leave it there, and then we'll we. It's slightly complicated as when we're on next week because because I'm away, and then uh, Pat, our producer, is, is away at the weekend. So we we might be we'll be a little bit late, and we're not going to do a special in the midweek because of the the Champions League Europa League, um, but we will. For the for the the second legs of those, we'll have a we'll have a proper look at those, um, and, and we'll see how they get on. It's you know fascinating ties, aren't they? The English clubs against the Spanish clubs. Just a quick one on that. Uh, obviously, we've, we've discussed Barca versus uh, Liverpool, uh, Valencia. Slightly concerned about their form, but they are against Arsenal. Who they're doing? We're concerned you know, about they're, their form. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Uh, when the third of the Sevilla. Uh, Europa League wins. They they were playing like Arsenal are now in the league, weren't they? They they chucked it in the league, didn't they? They had a chance of qualifying for the Champions League. They I think it was four points from nine games at the end of that season, but they won the Europa League. So it might be a bit of an Unai Emery special. Yeah, I I, I was all, I thought Valencia had momentum, but it's been the, the last couple of games. I mean, the the, the five goal thriller that they come out on the wrong side of and got defeated against Atletico Madrid. Up until that point, they were playing well, winning games. Looking the part, so the, the defeat came out. I was a bit surprised. Let's go away, fair enough. Um, Abar at home, surprised, but they, I, he did make changes, um, rightly so. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a big night for Valencia to be playing Arsenal in the Europa League semi final. Um, 
I think we'll see a return to form from Valencia from a more settled team. I don't think Roncalli will play at the heart of defence. There was one or two others that were rested. Um, Rodrigo is back, so that's a plus for, for Valencia. So, yeah, it, it's a massive event for Valencia to be playing anyone in the semi-final, but Premier League in the semi-final. And they've got they've got they've got a good chance, and make no doubt about that. People shouldn't underestimate if Valencia can find their form. We're only talking about one bad result against Abar. Um, not it's not a prolonged period of bad form. So, I would imagine Valencia will be you know up for that against Arsenal in, on Thursday evening. Uh, right. Well, Terry, and, uh, have a safe journey back from Barcelona. And uh, we you. will, so we'll have another, we'll have another chat some point about next week's games and we'll bring you a podcast. So listen out for it and we'll be back in touch soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. University of Maryland Global Campus has been serving the military in Maryland and around the world for more than 70 years and online for over 20 years. UMGC offers more than 90 programs and specializations in career-relevant fields, transfer credits, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, and scholarships for those who qualify. Speak with our dedicated military and veteran advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. 